Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. As promised, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a live where I'm teaching today a little bit about um, one of the frameworks. I actually do multiple frameworks, cybersecurity frameworks. And um, first thing I would like to do is explain that if you're interested in following me for more information, my contact information is contact at combocourses.com, link in description, link in, in bio. And um, I teach this stuff every week. Um, I've got courses on how to get into cybersecurity, how to get into what I do, which is security compliance, and just a general discussion that's building up a community of like-minded people who want to make that money. Okay, so let me explain to you, first of all, what is security compliance? So security compliance is a fancy word for saying rules. Your bank has rules, your school has rules, your college, wherever college you go to, your hospital has rules, you know, your whatever organization, governments have rules, your state has rules. Each one of them have a set of security rules, cybersecurity rules, computer security rules. There's certain things that they have to do to protect your information. If you go to the DMV, they have to protect your social security number, your picture, your location, your real name, your phone number, all that. Personally identifiable information has to be protected. Well, there's a set of rules that they need to protect that information. Hospital has rules too. They have what's called HIPAA rules, which is to protect your insurance information, to protect your personal health information. Um, there's a set of things that they have to do to protect that information, your x-rays, your, you know, your, once again, your social security number, all that kind of stuff, your health records, all those things ha are, ha are subject to what's called security compliance rules. And then governments also have rules. Every government has their own set of security compliance rules. Uh, the bulk of cybersecurity is protecting those rule sets. And those rules are not just technical, like firewall and um, you know antivirus and all that kind of stuff. It's also physical security controls because you have to have a physical security to protect the data, to protect the actual system, in, when it sits in you know whatever security com communication closet it's in. You have to have physical security to protect those systems. You have to have personnel security. You have to have uh, encryption. You, there's many different layers of security. It's called defense in depth because you have to have many layers of security to actually protect data. That is security compliance. And so that is what I teach. That is what I've been doing. And that's why I've been trying to get other people to get into this. You can do this stuff like the stuff I'm about to show you is completely for free for you to you can learn this stuff on your own. What I'm about to do is break it down in such a simple format that it's going to it's a light's going to go on. You're going to be like, damn, OK, I get it. Right. So I'm going to tell you about something called um, NIST, the NIST um, cybersecurity framework and how it links up with many different other kinds of frameworks. And I can show you real quick. Let me just show you exactly what I'm talking about. If I could switch my camera here. Uh, bear with me. I'm, I'm on a few different platforms here and, and teaching on, on different platforms. So right here, what you're seeing is this is the a breakdown, a document that breaks down the cyber, NIST cybersecurity framework. I'm going to go into a high level of what all this stuff is right quick, but I just want to show you how this links up to all these other frameworks. Uh, these frameworks are all different rules for hospitals, for other, uh, for international, for 
the government, for all kinds of the banking, all kinds of different rule sets um, that are hundreds and, and thousands of pages of documents uh, for breaking down security controls that you have to do. So what I want to do, I, I broke down all this stuff in a super simplified way. And I want to first of all tell you what we're talking about, that NIST is National, National Institute for Standards and Technology Cybersecurity Framework. And this was what it's designed to do is um, take all the industry standards and the best practices and help organizations to manage their security and reduce their risk. That's that's the name of the game for what what we're trying to do here. They really what they try to do is simplify this so that more organizations can actually use security because a lot of organizations weren't doing it. And the problem with that is that the problem with all these organizations not doing it is kind of the situation we have right now where all of these have you noticed like banks getting hacked and the, the colonial pipeline getting hacked and schools getting hacked and like all this stuff. Have you noticed like the frequency of what's happening? It's because we as a society have put more emphasis on on information. Information's gold now. It's more important than actual money. Information is more important than actual money right now. We, we're in the information age. And because of that, governments are actually funding organizations to go attack other countries. And the U.S. is no different. The U.S. is constantly being attacked. It's hard to attack a military target. Right. A military base is super. They already know they've been attacked for, you know, for as long as they've been in business, they've been getting attacked uh, digitally in every other conceivable way possible by other gov governments. So what's what governments start doing with these hacking giant hacking conglomerates start doing is hitting soft targets. So they won't hit your base. They'll hit the power grid that gets energy to your base. You know, that's what's happening now. Or they won't hit the power grid. They'll hit uh, a, a local a bank that's in a city that doesn't have the security. So that's what's happening right now. They're 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 attacking infrastructure. Governments are targeting infrastructures because it's just easier. They're soft targets. And it's harder to hit a base. It's harder to hit the White House. It's easier to hit uh, the, the elementary school across the street or the colonial pipeline that didn't have adequate security. It's just much easier target. So that's what they're doing. So the, the NIST, what they did was they put together a breakdown to make it easier for organizations to secure their, their systems. And that was, and, and the cybersecurity framework was born. And, um, and I'll just keep this to a high level. I will not take a long time on this one, but if you want to visualize it, the, the NIST, it's different from the NIST 800. So there's many different frameworks, and, and I've kind of labeled a few here, but there's literally hundreds of different frameworks. Um, I've, I've got here the NIST 800, which is it's primarily used by the uh, Department of Defense and uh, the Department of Energy and all the federal organizations. They use NIST 800. It's a very robust set of security controls. It's literally a thousand plus security controls that you can apply to your organization. It's very hardcore. And the reason why is because the the Department of Defense and the, the uh, federal government is constantly under attack, constantly being tested. So they have to have their 
their game tight. They have to have their stuff together. So the NIST 800 is solid because they've been getting hacked and attacked for years. And that's why the NIST is so robust. But then you have um, the uh, ISO 27001. And that's like a that's like a federal uh, international standard. The Internet is a very robust international standard that's used. So you'll see governments in the EU using it, the European Union using it. There's countries in Africa that use it. Australia uses some parts of it. Um, I, I was surprised to, to learn that actually a lot of them actually uh, rely heavily on the NIST as the NIST security uh, cybersecurity framework as well, um, because it's just that good. The NIST cybersecurity framework was created in the U.S. by some international organizations as well as some federal organizations and private organizations all came together to create it. And it's I'll show you how it encompasses all these other security controls in a minute. It'll, it'll kind of make more sense as we go through this. But I want to at a high level just explain to you the NIST CSF, the NIST cybersecurity framework is not the NIST 800. They're, they are different things. The NIST 800 is a set of like a thousand controls and it uses something called the risk management framework to go through each one of those controls to apply the, those controls and reduce the risk of an organization. So that is the NIST 800 and it's mainly used by governments, state governments, federal governments, and even some foreign governments will use the NIST 800. Uh, it, it's not as... It's not often used by private industry because the private industry, um, they everything that they do is based off of uh, funding that they have to create. So the NIST 800 is probably is usually not a, a cost of effective way for them to protect their systems. Um, they'll they can align to it, but it's just too many controls to keep up with. So that's kind of what happens with uh, NIST 800. Let me show you guys my diagram here on on um, TikTok real quick diagram for the two people I have watching here if you're interested so yeah so this is it kind of encompasses all the other frameworks and I can go through a couple of other ones this the the PCI compliance that's like if you ever been to whenever you go to Target or you go to Walmart or whatever and you slide your card so that card system and the data that's being transferred over their local network that's protected by something called PCI compliance. So there's certain level of security controls that have to be in place mm -hmm. to protect your information, to protect your data. So that is a set of controls as well. Then you've got something called COBITs. You've got other frameworks. All of those can be encompassed in the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework because NIST cybersecurity framework is just a, it focuses on the functions of your organization, which I'll explain in the next slide here. So what I mean to say is the cybersecurity framework, it has these five areas. It's got identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. These are functions of an organization. If your organization has these functions, uh, then they can satisfy cybersecurity at a very basic level. And I'm gonna explain what each one of these means. When you're talking about identify, what we're talking about is identifying the assets. What assets, what important asset just means important information. What important uh, systems, important systems, what important systems does our organization have? 
Where are those systems? And what is the important data on those systems? We have to identify that. What are our business practices? What's the business environment? Are we mainly focused on our customers' uh, health records? Are we mainly focused on our customers' financial records? Are we mainly focused? What are we focused on, you know, as an organization? What's our governance? What's our risk? They call it risk appetite. Like what level of risk can we actually accept? What's our risk assessment like? What kind of risk management strategy do we have? What are we going to do if we get attacked? We have to identify all those things. That's what identifying is all about. We kind of go a little bit deeper into the, what that actually means in a second. But I want to keep it at a high level for now. And then protect. Once we have identified our assets, we have identified our business, we've identified our environment and all that kind of stuff. We have to figure out how can we can how can we protect those things. And we're going to do things like uh, um, ex, uh, do access control. That means making sure that only authorized people can access our systems physically and logically. And then we have to make sure our, all of our people who handle this information, who handle our processes, are um, have a certain level of training. So we have to have awareness training. Now, if you're familiar with the NIST or you're familiar with PCI compliance, you'll notice some of the same kind of best business best practices that you have to have for your organization. And that's where all this stuff all kind of aligns together. You should start to see how this all aligns. And once I show you like the diagram and all that kind of stuff, uh, a breakdown as a spreadsheet, then it'll make a little bit more sense. If you want to download this, by the way, you can go to the link in the description uh, below if you happen to be watching me on YouTube and or you happen to be listening to me. I put a link in the description that takes you to my website where it'll have a downloadable free download. You can actually get all the stuff off of the NIST's website, but you can also download from me. I'm going to have all of the stuff that you see here also downloadable and all that stuff as well as this video. Anyway, so we want to protect our data. Data security, that's like encryption, making sure our we're storing the data properly and encrypted if, if necessary. Um, making sure that in transit, the data is being protected, whereas when it's being processed, the data is being protected. So that is what we mean by protect. And then we're talking about detect. That means like, does our organization have a way to actually fig to find out if somebody is actually trying to hack us? Super important to cybersecurity, right? I mean, it's, it's very obvious, but like this is something that organizations sleep on, believe it or not. Like having done cybersecurity consulting for a while for many different organizations in many different fields, they you start to what happens is organizations start to get very successful. They, the money starts working. Their their customers are always patting them on the back. Oh, thank you so much. This is a great service. I really love this. They're making all this money, and they don't spend the time to do things like detect anomalies that are coming through their um, that are attacking their their web servers that are trying to attempt to fish their customers, uh, making fake sites out there. You know, they don't take the time to do that because that's all time and money, especially your private organizations. They don't Uber. Somebody said Uber, for example. Exactly. They start making that money and they don't take into account those those little areas that they might not. They start cutting corners as many corners as possible to um to to get by and to make more money but you know detecting more anomalies or doing what they're supposed to do from a security perspective and protecting that data is something that sometimes they'll just sleep on it because they're already doing good they're already making that money so 
Um, so detecting anomalies, making sure you're monitoring events, all this stuff takes time and money to do. Um, and then responding once you actually see the what's going on, like you see something's happening. How is your organization going to respond to what's going on? So that's another one. And let me just switch back to our next part here. Yeah, respond is the next part. That's making sure you have a response plan. That's, this is incident response. Like, like all this stuff is lining up with incident response, right? So if you happen to be familiar with that, yeah, that's that's this is what we're talking about. We have to be able to respond to it, analyze the the event that comes in, fix the event, make sure that like if there was a weakness and they got in, like with the Uber situation, we have to be able to fix that. And then improvements, like making improvements. We know we got hacked. Okay, now how can we improve improve this? And then finally, recover. How do we recover after we? Uh, know that there was a weakness. We've already responded. Now, how do we go back and fix those and make improvements, continuous improvements? So that, in a nutshell, is NIST cybersecurity framework. It's pretty different from risk management framework if you're familiar with the risk management framework. It's pretty. It just hits it from a different angle. It's hitting from the business functionality, the business essential functions that you have to have as an organization rather than diving into the actual security controls and breaking down an individual system, which is what NIST 800 does. Um, so I made this diagram and this looks really confusing, but what the reason why I did this was because each one of these rings represents your identify, your respond, your protect, your detect and recover. And all of them interlink together to create cybersecurity. So that all of these things together is what you need to have a robust cybersecurity program. And so if you happen to have a new organization and you're trying to spin something up, um, this is where you, this is an interconnection of all these things is what makes a robust cybersecurity program. One time while I was doing one of these lives and somebody asked me, hey man, where can I break, how, where can I get more information about how can I have a new organization? We're trying to stand up cybersecurity and make it robust in our organization. How can we do that? Right. And I said, hey, go to the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework is one place to do it. Another one's ITIL kind of breaks it down a little bit like this. But but cybersecurity framework is I mean, it's out it's out there and it's absolutely free. It's got tons of information out there for you to download. And somebody asked me, where do I get this PowerPoint slide from? This is this is not a good PowerPoint slide. The one you want is the one directly from the government, which you can if you go to my site, you can download this and uh, some other great resources um, such as this site right here that breaks down everything. I put in the link in the description if you want to find out where these resources are. But here it is right here. If you want to know more, you go to NIST.gov. Or you can search cybersecurity framework or CSF, NIST CSF. You can find this. And this breaks down what's identify, what's protect, what's detect. And in a nutshell, it's everything I just said. Um, there's a really good slide presentation that they put together. It's, it's a lot more robust than what I just put together. And I would like to, I know I have that on the site for download if you guys are interested in that, combocourses.com. But for now, I just want to keep this at a high level and explain to you guys what's going on. Um, and I'll go a little bit deeper into this. Let me just show you how effective this thing is. So what you're looking at here is the actual um, spreadsheet of the cybersecurity framework. 
And let me show you why this thing is so powerful. So it, in identify, we just explained like what identify is from a high level. But let me break this down for you even further. It's got categories and subcategories. And let's just stick with one category, okay? And we've got like four other categories or whatever, but let's just stick with this one, this first one. So I can give you an idea of how all this maps to all the other frameworks and why it's inclusive to all other frameworks. Let's focus on this one, asset management. So asset management, as you may know, if you're in cyber, if you have done any kind of IT, then you'll know that uh, asset management is... It's um, making sure you know where the hardware, the software of all your network devices are on your network, whatever. If you're on an enterprise, if you work for a government, if you work for a local organization, a private organization, asset management is super important because you have to know. If you don't know what's in your environment, you, how can you have security if you don't know what's there? If people can just come in and plug in their phone right onto your network or just come in with your laptop and plug in and have they have a bunch of viruses on there on their system or whatever, you know, how can you control the environment if you don't know what's on it? So asset management means and have it means having an inventory of every single piece of hardware and software on your whole network so you know what uh what's going on and how they connect and all that kind of stuff. That means have you have to have it documented. And just briefly, I can read, it says, the data personnel, devices, systems, and facilities that enable the organization to achieve business uh, purpose and identify uh, and manage consistently within the organization. So, and that is how you manage the risk is by knowing what's on your, org what's in your facilities, what's on your network, what's going on with your hardware and your software. Now, what are the subcategories of asset management, right? So this is ID.AM for this first one. I just kind of want to walk you through one, and then it'll, this will make a lot more sense. So what are we doing here? Well, we have to manage our, we have to have a software platform, uh, software and platforms, uh, software platforms and applications within the organizations are inventoried. That's it. That's what we're doing. We're inventorying. That means we're taking a record, a, a document, a record. It, it doesn't have to be a spreadsheet, right? What you could have is like a, a what a lot of organizations, especially larger organizations, have is a some sort of software that automatically tracks all of the software in the environment. Like there's a couple of tools that both uh, Linux, Macintosh, uh, Macintosh, Apple products, and uh, Microsoft products have that do this automatically. That will track all your stuff, any kind of software. It goes on each system and pull pulls them all together, and you can like search them and have it has a whole interactive database and all that. And if somebody removes it, they can still uh, they can still have that um, that that breakdown. So another thing is, let me see if I can find another one. External and internal um, information systems are cataloged. So you kind of get the picture here: the software and the hardware. And physical devices, here's number one. Physical devices and systems within the organization are inventoried. It's a list of everything that's on your system, okay? So how does this break out into the individual security frameworks? How does this break out into all the stuff that we showed on that other slide? Now, I showed you guys in the other slide here. Let me see if I can bring that up again. In this slide that it's inclusive. It's including all this other stuff. I'm going to show you how, because with NIST cybersecurity framework, it's 
referencing, like it is so general. This is such a generic topic. Identify, identifying hardware and software. Those are the sub, the uh, sub controls, right? But let me show you how these map to each one of these. What you're seeing here are other frameworks. Starting at the top, CIS um, is a it's a internet security, uh, cybersecurity framework that's used by many, many different private organizations. Um, it's it's a lot, it's a lot more attractive for private organizations um, to use because it's harder to use something like the NIST. The NIST is just it just it's got so much stuff going on because it's for a military grade security. <laughs> so it's just it that's why it's so in depth. But the the CIS controls, it's it's a little bit not I won't say lighter, but it's more conducive to a private organization. Let me just show you a little bit about the CIS controls. I'm gonna I'm just gonna bring up if you and if you happen to be on Bing or Google or something like that, you can just go type in CIS CIS framework, and it'll take you to the cissecurity.org site, and it breaks down uh, their security controls. They have uh, they actually have their own set of controls. A benchmark uh, software tool is super popular. Lots the government actually uses this one quite a bit, um, and a lot of private organizations use it. They've got a really good, robust set of controls. Let me see if I can. If I can, I wasn't planning on actually showing these controls, but uh, here's the CIS critical security controls, and they break them down by families, just like the NIST does. I, I I say all this to say that this is its own family, and it's used quite a bit by private organizations. That's all I want to say with that. I'm going too deep on that one, but because uh, <laughs> I've used it quite a bit. Um, then you've got one called COBITS, which I'm not super familiar with. ISA, I'm not familiar with that one. And then ISO 27001. This one I'm very familiar with. So this is very similar to uh, NIST 800. And actually, they just released a new, they're up to 2022 now. They just released a new one. And so these standards are actually different. They've re redone this. But long story short, this is just an international standard. If you know even two of these, if you even know one of these, you are worth some money, by the way. Uh, because they will pay you to, to understand these controls. And then NIST, this is the one I talk about constantly on my website. This is the one I'm, I'm specialized on. But all of these, this like CM8, CM8 is um, configuration baseline. And that one maps directly to physical controls, uh, cataloging all your physical hardware and your software. So CM8 is is actually configuration uh, baseline. And so what they're saying here is CIS1 control family is also mapped to that. COBITS BI901 uh, also maps. These all map to the same group of controls. So if your organization is compliant, is compliant with the CIS, you are compliant with a lot of these other controls. So the NIST cybersecurity framework is very, very pop, is very powerful. If you can be compliant with this from a functional level, you are able to identify, protect, detect, respond, recover, 
you actually are mapped to a lot of these other control families. That is the power of the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework. It's it's used internationally. That's how effective it is. It's very effective. So if you if you're actually interested in learning more about um, security compliance, one of the best places to start would be the cybersecurity framework because it's going to once you understand those the each one you know your identify your respond your you know all the other ones you can then understand the next step would be to understand the subcategories of that the categories and the subcategories and then each one of those subcategories maps to the international standards ISO 27001 the CIS which is for private organizations the NIST 800 which is for a lot of governments use that one. So this is really powerful. And if you can understand it on a deeper level, wow. So you be able to put that on your resume and it's it, it will take you a long way. Um, that's all I had, guys, for this one. Um, that's all I wanted to, to, to really go through today, as promised. Um, I did, did one. I don't, I don't normally do uh, these kinds of podcasts on 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 Sundays, but I just figured I'd try it out. So so there you go. Um, I'm I'm out of here. Unless you guys have some questions, um, I'm uh, free to ask answer some questions for a few minutes. But if not, let me see if there's any on. Uh, okay, I did have some questions. Okay, um, let me see. Um, on on TikTok uh, for asset management. You would use a probe like Nessus InMap to gather information. Yeah. So one of the one of the ways that you can do asset management. Thank you, Daryl, for that. That's, I appreciate that. So one of the ways you a lot of organizations do asset management is through an automated device like a, a vulnerability scanner that does discovery on the network. So they'll they'll run it to where it'll discover all of the nodes or the any kind of device with an IP, it can find it and then it'll put it, it'll catalog it. I think another one that does it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, MS, SUS servers, WS SUS servers do it. Um, Tenable does, it has a tool that does it. Archer has a tool that does it. Um, Big Fix does it from IBM, has a product that does it, I believe. Qualys can do it. There's a there's a whole suite of tools that can actually um, enumerate and gather automatically gather all of those any kind of devices on your network and look at the software. Like if it's powerful enough, it can actually look at the software and know the make and model of that of the software that's there in the in what type of software and find the weaknesses on your organization. So. I've seen that quite a bit. So, Daryl, thanks for that. Um, says NIST is the top and best for FedRAMP. Um, all other uh, frameworks are designed for other organizations like CIS is simple and covers mostly private organizations. Yeah, great point. So uh, Fed, FedRAMP is, is, is awesome. A lot of government uh, departments are using FedRAMP for cloud-based technologies. Um, so that's a real good one to get familiar with as well. If you happen to be in IT, if you happen to have have touched that at all, you definitely want to put that on your resume because that's, that's super hot right now. Um, CIS is simple. Yeah, CIS is is used quite a bit for private organizations because it's just to the point. 
it doesn't go super in depth like the the NIST does. The NIST just has all these controls that are to most organizations are unnecessary. Things like um, cross-domain solutions. Like most organizations don't need that. A cross-domain solution is like a it's like a server that sits between a class of two different classified environments, um, also known as a like a guard. So it's it's like you have two networks together, but they're both on different um, they're both on different network uh, security postures. Like one is a secret network, and one is unclassified but but sensitive or something like that. So the, the NIST actually the NIST eight hundred actually covers that, but the you know something like the CIS doesn't, as far as I know, doesn't go into things like that. All right, guys, um, that's it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for the comments, Daryl. I appreciate that. Um, I'm out of here, and um, I'll try to do another one next week around the same time frame. Saturday, Sunday is usually when I do this. If you guys are interested in following following me, check out my uh, my bio. Check out the profile. Check out the link in the description below. Got a couple books out if you didn't know where I teach people how to get into this career field. Um, I've been doing it for many years. I've been working from home for the last seven years. And uh, doing cybersecurity, making six figures. I'm just pretty good. And um, I teach other people how to do that. Um, follow me for more. And I've got tons more information. See you guys on the flip side. Thanks for watching, YouTube. Appreciate you guys.